0: Hello, everybody. I'm Howie Hawkins. I was the Green Party and the Socialist Party candidate for president in 2020. And this podcast, Green Socialist Notes, is about continuing to educate and advocate for the eco-socialist program that Angela Walker and I ran on. And today we're going to go right to our guest. It's Svetlana Romanko from Ukraine. It's after 10 o'clock there. So thanks for staying up, Svetlana. Svetlana is a lawyer and she has a doctorate in environmental law And climate policy. And for many years, she was the 350.org representative in Ukraine. And now she's the leader of an organization called Razum We Stand. Razum means together in Ukrainian. And Razum We Stand is campaigning for uh, a ban on all imports of fossil fuels from Russia to end the war in Ukraine and to promote a clean energy transition in Ukraine and around the world. And actually, there's a Green Party connection to uh, Sidlana these days. It's Jason Kirkpatrick, who was a Green City Councilor in Arcata, California, from 1995 to 1999. And in the second two years, his second term, it was the first majority Green City Council in the United States. And Jason was the vice mayor. He's the communications director for this Ukrainian organization. Look on their website. It's all these women with Ukrainian names and Jason who is the communication director. So Svetlana is not just a lawyer and a PhD and doing paperwork, she's an activist. She got thrown out of the UN climate conference in Egypt last fall because she confronted the Russian delegation and gave them a piece of her mind as did some of her comrades in the audience. She got thrown out and we'll put a link to the Democracy Now interview she did after that. And you can see what she did. She was also here in, in last March in Houston trying to go to a major U.S. energy conference where John Kerry, Biden's climate envoy, and a bunch of energy corporation executives and nonprofit, you know, academics. And she came all the way from Ukraine. She had a registration. And when it got there, they denied her entry. Because she's just uh, too much, I guess, for clean energy. So anyway, Svetlana, I'm glad you could finally make it. We talked about it for a while. And so share your thoughts with
1: us yes thank you so much hovi and uh, good afternoon uh all the audience all the attendees who who are now with us and i hope you um will listen uh, what's what I have to say? It's really important, especially as the war rages on. And um, you're right, Hovi. Um, this fight against fossil fuel is not going easy. We have to put all our hands into this and try to do our best. And. In- in particular why i am here today i am looking for extreme gestures of solidarity from the other side from the other side of the earth from the us uh, because currently i am at home and um, i can see what is happening in our beloved home in in our homeland and of course it must stop and uh, i think we are very close to some political decisions that could finally end this war uh, for forever and defeat Russia's terroristic regime uh, once and for all. But it's not an easy way to go. And we made a huge leapfrog over the past year, even because any tra- every transition is not happening easy, it's not happening fast. And uh, we've witnessed some important challenges and changes uh, also in some political understanding why this horrific war is being raged against Ukrainians, a peaceful nation which we are fighting for our own independence. And you are are very right saying that Jason is working with us. Now we have more staff who is international. But it's always a pleasure to be connected with the US-based allies and colleagues and friends from the climate movement and beyond. Uh, That's why I'm so happy to speak to you today. And I hope it will be a peaceful evening in our city as well. Not um, not interrupted with air uh, raids and also um, drone attacks, which have been launched today um, because of yesterday's uh, yesterday's events uh, events, while well described in Financial Times and um, I would like to start from the presentation which I have ready for you and I would like to invite you to uh, go through these slides with me because I put a lot of content into those slides explaining of what we've been doing since the war started and where are we now and where we need your help and I will try to present so I hope you can see my screen uh, already
0: Yes, we see
1: it. Okay. So I will speak today about how we can end fossil fuel addiction that feeds Putin's war machine and how we can fast track renewable energy revolution globally and in important political countries to rebuild Ukraine on a clean energy. So Just to give you an understanding who we are, this is, uh, yes, we are Razum, we stand, and uh, you can greatly support us. We are a small team, we now have a few more members, but we are those few people who came together and get uh, immense beliefs that we can defeat Putin and we can defeat Russia and fossil fuel dictatorships across the world. So we aim to be instrumental after we win this horrific war against Ukrainians. Uh, We we will expand our knowledge and our campaigning onto the countries which are suffering uh, from undemocratic and terroristic regimes based on fossil fuel profits and capitalism. So, uh, And you can see, Jason is on the right because you mentioned him we have also just really a really amazing team with oleg irina Olga and me and Jason and Juliana and also Alena and uh, we seek to build momentum for redesign of the global economy and major financial mobilization for investments into new clean smart and efficient energy systems that are based on renewables and that benefit all people because it's been enough Uh, or uh, fossil-fuel-based undemocratic regimes that now are threatening our country and preventing our children from having their normal life um, as usual. Uh, Many of them, thousands, have been killed. Thousands have been deported to Russia and now um, their location is unknown their mothers and fathers, if they are alive, they don't know where their children are. And our government try try so hard to get them back to Ukraine. But, you know, this enemy is very just powerful, but also, of course, it will be defeated, I, I would say, and slowly but insistively and inevitably, we are moving towards the progress, which means a total defeat of Russian fossil fuel reserves and their financial ability to wage the war against us, uh, because the 30 percent of missiles they launch over the territory of Ukraine are bought for the fossil fuel profits, uh, the most recently and we act together to end fossil fuel conflicts and climate chaos and drive the clean energy revolution is in, in ukraine in, and globally we've been able to mobilize really thousands of people and launch hundreds of campaigns distributed campaigns and actions in the global solidarity and um, i can also i can also just remind you about the stand with ukraine campaign that was outstanding and it was launched by me In the end of February 2022, with many other campaigners from different organizations, 350 included, but also Fossil Fuel Treaty, Global Gas and Oil Network and many, many big and small organizations from 60 countries of the world came together and signed on the letter demanding the Western governments uh that that enough is enough and we need to fully ban Russian fossil fuels from the market and uh, dry their financial sources. With the aim, uh, as I said, to cut Kremlin's key revenue streams associated with fossil fuel exports. The campaign supported international solidarity, countries' campaigns and communications around phasing out fossil fuels globally and slamming peace washing of fossil fuel companies. You you can still support this campaign and on we stand when you will go to our website with the, uh, on the links that will be posted and donate the money you can to support the activities that we are doing because we aim to do a big push towards um, the UN Climate Ambitious Summit in New York and also J 20 meeting in India which will be happening quite soon from eight to nine of September. And we will be um, we will try to push hard for full ban of Russian liquefied natural gas, and also for banning Russian gas from the market and closing loopholes in Russian oil trade and supply and refineries where U.S. is also greatly involved. So it foresees some work with U.S. politicians, uh, which we are quite uh, also keen to keen to launch. Uh, quite soon and you can also sign our manifesto which says enforce a full set of energy sanctions against russia invest in the european continental grid with ukraine because another winter is coming and if you are tracking uh, the reality we are living in uh, the whole winter was almost lack of uh, power supply and there were days that we had power supply for two just for two days from out of 24 days and of course, this is a very unusual circumstances, and Russia will have continuous uh, attacks before the uh, before the other winter. And our energy infrastructure has been also destroyed and significantly damaged. And a huge cost uh, is needed to rebuild this infrastructure and capacity. A huge percentage of this has been re- restored and rebuilt, but at the same time, the threat is still is still. Uh, Huge, and we also ask uh, you for solidarity to support us in this political fight. So we also aim to completely defund the fossil fuel industry and dismantle the social license because they're not just making um, a huge fossil fuel-based profits, uh, as they over profited over the last year. They also block and lobby against all uh, democratic and climate solutions uh, that benefit communities and and just regularly people. Uh, They block all these these political decisions and willpower, as we see, is not currently there to end the war or also to end the climate crisis. And we must pressure hard uh, and democratize green transition as well and make this energy accessible to people, to communities, to individuals and make it uh, in many ways free. When you install it once, sun and wind are free of charge and you can use them years and years. For getting your energy independence and cut global oil and gas demand, which is essential for us as we are climate activists. And I am deeply grateful to the Center of Biological Diversity that praised me in 2022 uh, with my award for Rose Brass Award for Bold Activism. I'm really honored and I this, this award is very dear to me because I believe that climate activism is on the front line of any action, democratic action, political action, but also anti-war action. And uh, this is the impact that we've been achieving uh, during the COP27, speaking to ministers, to politicians. On my left is the uh, Minister of Economy of Germany uh, and uh, Silvia Schulz. And we we also had some demonstration rallies and demos uh, just reminding that the war is not over. And this is the thing that I am telling to everyone who is able to listen to us right now, that the war is far from over and we must not to be distracted with other with other issues because the war is paramount uh, it continues destroys the world orders, uh, any, it- kinds of security, including energy security, environmental security and also food security and security of the cost of living, because not even now just to build connections from Ukraine to the other countries, we all see how the fossil fuel industry has profited on us and the cost of living has become insane. Uh, it does not matter in Ukraine where it's been exacerbated by the war, of course and the deficit and so on, but also in any every other country of the world, people feel the that the war is really just knocking to their doors. It's not just about Ukraine. It's about democracy in many senses. It's about our survival. And it's about the climate security and climate action in many, many cases. And how we treat this war right now depends how we build our future in this world of politicians uh, that are sometimes really weak on their on their actions uh, Should it mean embargo, a strict ban on Russian fossil fuels or climate action or uh, protecting the peace and um, uh, protecting as well, protecting Ukraine. So our main goals are, as I already said, eliminate Russian fossil fuel revenues and diffuse investments in Russian carbon bombs because it's huge. Uh, Russia has 41 carbon bomb reserves which together make 120, 120. Um, uh, gigatons of CO2 emissions just locked in the ground, potentially, if Russia releases everything, it just not only means that they will rebuild their military uh, build-up and power, but also they will be able to, to kill our climate, as they are trying to do to Ukraine, and they will have, of course, more money to wage the wars on other countries, democratic countries, so we must act fast, and um, driving momentum for a nuclear energy investments, yes, Yes, this is true, but but the, like primarily we need to cut all financial flows to Russian of uh, Russian terrorist regime because it's literally killing people in my country for many many months, and many families are now losing their their fathers, their dads, and they will uh, they. We, 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 we can't get these people back. This is the most valuable, uh, thing we have in Ukraine. Our brave, our active, our young people and our senior people, everyone, but we are losing them from day to day and their families have feel those losses, uh, hugely. And, um, I'm not even saying about the nuclear threat or also Kahoka dam distraction, uh, d- um, distortion, uh, which we, at the very moment, we realized that the country that we loved is not existing in, in, anymore in the way that we used to see it, and uh, a huge environmental damage has been has been done to um, half of territory of Ukraine. So some cities are being leveled to the ground, and well, well can't sleep, well can't. Uh, like sleep calm and stay calm when these things are happening to the largest country in Europe and um, which is Ukraine and uh, to make Ukraine uh, so but we envision when the war is when we win this war, uh, we will make Ukraine the post-war country in the world where renewable energy is at the front and center of energy policy and the key area of investment, displacing on large scale depreciated or destroyed fossil fuel infrastructure and eventually to create a global showcase for infrastructure-centered cent- climate action." Uh, this is just a very small amount of harm that has been done to Ukraine. And as of June 2023, general damage to Ukrainian infrastructure exceeded uh, 150 billion of US dollars. And as of May, the power system temporarily lost about 27 gigawatts of or almost a half, you can see it, 45% of its total capacity. And the largest share... Is the loss of housing stock. Many people are homeless. Many people are internally displaced and they f- are forced to rent the houses or just live uh, for a long time with their families in some common spaces, which are not actually that livable, but there is no choice. And uh, the new housing is not affordable. Uh, and um, at this point, so a point of rebuilding, uh, which is all starting to be launched in Bucha, Irpin, and these areas of Ukraine that have been already liberated. It will be huge, of course, but we want this uh, rebuilding to be done with respect to climate technologies and new energy technologies, because with the immense climate and environmental harm has al- already done, we are risking to be locked in the old economic uh, for, for many years, uh, and uh, this won't help us to rebuild. And um, also, we are here now, you see these are pictures, which are really touching my heart deeply because we, we live Every single day, there is no night with no Russia air air raids, but of different. They are all they are all horrific because ninety percent of Russian targets is civilian infrastructure. These are houses, buildings where people are sleeping peacefully, and uh, you can see that. And I believe you know that it's just really a. T- genocide of Ukrainians happening right now and why we need full embargo on Russian fossil fuels. Just to uh, start with, we do have imposed um, already by Western governments the embargo uh, for Russian coal we also have a partial embargo for Russian oil which has been violated especially with refinery businesses which are um, working as a laundromat especially in India Turkey and they are just mixing Russian oil (laughs) with with non-Russian oil and they sell it as a non-Russian oil and this helps Russian bloody business to stay afloat so far but um, actually Russian profits uh, declined exponentially they declined a half and they continue declining and there is panic in Russia especially in coal based region Kemerovo, because people are not getting just paid and they are starting to question government why our coal is not being exported but of course we need to do the same thing for oil and gas and gas and LNG gas liquefied natural gas mm, are not under sanctions and this is a an issue that governments try to be silent about out we are pushing for this embargo since the war started, but Germany first and uh, also some other countries as US and other uh, largest LNG exporters are really using the situation, try to expand their own exploration of LNG gas and fossil gas and try to fill the markets with replacing Russia from, from them. It's not the thing that should be happening and uh, of course, Russian LNG is still flowing, but it might be in much less quantities and and getting embargo on these Russian LNG gas could be critical and essential for Ukrainian win in the in the short term. So, um, as I said, uh, we need uh, these sanctions necessarily to deconstruct the aggressive Petrostate, state And just to bring you more facts uh, and, and just more facts and later we will open the floor to questions discussion but um just to prove that russia has already faced uh, financial challenges due to decrease in oil and gas revenues but more than 50% compared to the 2022nd. Uh, it, ju- it just may but what we dynamics we we can see we can track with our partners clean um uh S- center for clean uh clean air uh they are just saying that they are tracking every week what is happening to russian fossil fuels and of course embargo could really change the situation quite quite significantly and soon and uh, we, we see a shocking number here that European countries boosted LNG imports by 60% in 2022 and including from Russia. And over 80% of American imports of refined oil products from India in January and May 2023 started to come from a single port, port which is Sika. It's the largest refinery in the world. Um, it imports more Russian crude oil than any other port in the world, according to the Center for Research and On energy and clean air, Uh, and in those same five months, thirty-five percent of the crude arriving at the port was of Russian origin. Global Witness, our partner organization, um, also they um, they are based in many countries, in U.S. included. They suggest banning the import of refined petroleum from refineries that have bought any Russian crude oil within the given period for instance the previous six months and this would incentivize those companies to drop their Russian suppliers while signaling to other companies looking to capitalize on cheap Russian oil uh, that their products are not welcome in the US and um, if there, there was some investigations that released that Schlumberger and also Baker Hughes and other U.S. Ba- based technology companies have been supplying. Technology for oil and gas, especially exploration to Russia. And they still did it. And um, uh, just before the investigation, some of them resigned uh, just, just in the night before, which means that, yes, the pressure is working. The public pressure is working. And we need to do more pressure on those who is violating the humanity, just the humanity norms and understanding what is good and bad. And uh, really breaking the reputation and committing immoral crimes to Ukrainian citizens. When you support the bloody Russian business, you are committing a war crime against Russian, against Ukrainian peaceful citizens. Have been killed in the in the in their rooms, in the apartments, in the houses. Uh, almost every night and these are data which i will be happy to provide you a bit later but we don't have that much time to go deeply in this data Uh, this one i've already spoke about that given um that russian oil and gas sector is highly dependent on foreign technology uh, it's essential that immediate introduction of expert bans of all software technology and equipment used for the development or, uh, of any oil and gas infrastructure must be imposed as uh, soon as soon as the better and of course um, of course and uh, currently mentioned arctic lng the second project which is a huge uh, exploration field of lng and uh, it has to be has to be just really launched and the first train should deliver the lng at the end of 2023 but now due to lack of finance financial uh, financial sources to fund this arctic lng the second it's been postponed to the first quarter of 2020 se- uh, 2024. and our task is to make it's possible that this Arctic LNG II will never be enacted, never be enacted. That's how we can weaken Russia in a much more just in a financial way, the way that say it's the most poignant for them. Um as as we will try to do. Because there are some some uh Unsatisfaction started popping up inside of Russia with uh, with uh, high inflation, with uh, losing their leading positions on the oil and gas market. And we hope that Russians will actually launch the revolution against their uh, criminal government and they will reach out to the point when they will help us to defeat their the, uh, the terrorist regime uh, but for that purpose, we need to pressure more hard, as I said. So uh and going to rebuild in Ukraine just really fast. Um, uh, we can potentially launch an ultimate breakthrough for climate action. And uh, we are currently working on this with the civil society, private sector and the state joining forces to rebuild rebuild Ukraine on clean energy but of course it can't be a full potential full-scale rebuilding until the war is won and that's a key point of why we see this ban on Russian fossil fuels to be essential for rebuilding Ukraine on a full potential uh, because for example our partners now cannot uh, they install solar panels for hospitals they can't do it um, uh, uh, let's say in 80 kilometers from the front line where where the battles are because it's not safe for this equipment and but also for people but in the 80 kilometers from there from there people are dying and are try they are trying to defeat their enemy and our our joint enemy uh just giving their lives every day so uh I think that embargo should come first and then the full embargo. And well Wall world has to say no to the lobbying of Russia being still present on the market. And this was what what's, was in my speech to UN climate talks. And I said that your oil and gas is killing us and you are killing us daily, and this must stop, and you must face the international tribunal, and you must pay for everything you've done, and you must just really uh, be found guilty. And uh, uh, this is, again, as I said, um, very, very sad reality. And um, there are are parts of the country that... All around, look like this, like what you see on the pictures. And as Ukrainian, I am deeply touched with what is happening, and I really want. This is my primary goal: to see this war has its end, and we we are defeating the evil. Um, how to make this? You, you see how to make this transition from from this to this to shiny renewable energy potential electrification, there there is a way there is a way, and there is a way in the high-profile advocacy that we are doing, and we've been quite successful to get our parliament uh, uh, supporting the draft law on restoration of energy security and green transformation of the energy system of Ukraine, which is quite revolutionary for clean energy. And also, uh, we keep communication with um, government, with the civil society, and also communities of how we can... And IEA, how we can build a resilient energy system in Ukraine that can be a model for global uh, renewable energy transition. And um, uh, this, just just to finish with some optimistic note, this uh, we just currently had an event on a london conference on green rebuilding of ukraine high profile conference and we presented the report investing in ukraine's renewable energy the key to future energy security and uh, we've been able to build a dialogue between the government civil society and businesses and businesses have committed with memorandum to establish a smart storage grid for ukraine and but of course much more needs to to be done and this is an action we had with the Greenpeace, with other organizations just in front of this Green rebuilding conference, just trying to say that we still have hope, we we still have hope that uh, the politics and policies will be changed in appropriate way to protect not just the democracy but also peace and climate justice for everyone these are ukraine targets for renewable energy i won't stop on this quite hard but i would just say that ukraine has a huge potential in wind solar and bioenergy total of 874 gigawatts as up to ukrainian scientists and one terawatt to irena ukraine has pledged to phase out coal as well and provide a just and build a just transition procedure for our eastern and also uh, some some western uh, uh, regions where the coal has been uh, has been um, explored as well and uh, we believe that development of renewable energies in Ukraine will create tens of thousands of green jobs both domestically and regionally and those people who Lost their jobs uh, before, during the war, or being replaced, or found themselves in a very difficult circumstances, trying to adapt to a very new realities, and also these soldiers that will come back from the war alive, and they will will be able to build. To, to really to, to, to get it access to decent jobs, well-paid, green jobs, and build a new future for, for them, for us, and for for their children, and for all of us together. And we so much hopeful that we will be able to release this potential. And I'm reminding again, I just finished in my presentation, I'm reminding you again, please just scan this code, sign a QR code, Sign into our manifesto for a new Ukraine and a new world. Donate to our website. There is a button. And stay in touch with us. And please attend Solidarity Actions. And those of you who would like to be in touch, we plan to be in New York um, and probably Washington um, in September Uh, please get in touch if you could help us organize some solidarity actions or speak to media or just uh, really support or express your solidarity in other ways. We will be really happy to meet. Uh, And um, thank you. I will stop just exploring the present, stop my screen sharing and come back to you for your questions. And uh, thank you so much again for being with us uh, today because it's just not me it's Razum We Stand it's my amazing team it's uh, tens of Ukrainian organizations and networks who signed on the Stand With Ukraine campaign and the current letter for banning LNG export 17 organizations and coalitions and uh, 45 for Stand With Ukraine and uh, thank you so much for listening to us today
0: Thanks again, Svidlana. I saw some questions in the chat. I'm, I'm about four hours from New York City so and five hours from D.C., so I would definitely be in touch with you. Thank, Thank you. Because, um, you know, the, the climate, I mean, it, for some reason, we had technical problems you weren't here. I had 15 minutes on all the things happening to the global climate right now. I mean, we are really... Uh, way above where the climate models predicted in terms of temperature rise. The oceans are practically boiling, you know, off Florida, it's 101 degrees in the ocean. Now they're worried that the Atlantic current, that the turnover current that, you know, brings warm water to the North Atlantic, keeps Europe from freezing, which the world does at that latitude and other parts of the world may break down um, and so on and so forth. So, Uh, One of the issues, I'm waiting for Chris to put some questions up, but uh, it got into the chat. I I posted a petition against uranium exports from Russia, which the U.S. does not ban. It's not part of the sanctions. And Russia is promoting nuclear power, which is not a clean energy. Uh, it's, It's exporting more nuclear power plants, constructing them around the world. And it's a major source of uranium, which is revenue for the Russian military machine. So that petition has nearly 15,000 or over 15,000 signatures now. So take a look at that. Uh, It's in the chat. So Mm -hmm. let me look through here because, oh, there we go. Chris himself has a question. Is European dependence on Russian oil and gas the biggest barrier to an embargo? It would seem that the U.S. leadership would support such a move as it would open up expansion of opportunities for U.S. oil and gas interests?
1: Oh, um, yes, it primarily is. And uh, European dependence on Russian oil and gas was the biggest barrier to an embargo and if you remind if you recall in april last year when we demanded strongly with really hundreds of people uh standing on the rallies in front of the european commission because we are just all located in europe but also sending letter letters to the u.s government then ursula von der leyen and president joe biden has have created a task force on energy security which started uh, developing some measures um, which we could call embargoes, embargoes, but not not all of them. And that's how we did not get a full embargo on Russian oil and also full embargo on Russian gas. And even now, U.S. is blocking a full embargo on Russian oil because they just want and they keep Russian presence with their bloody oil on the market just because uh, because of uh, volatile prices and they're afraid that um, actually uh, there will be a deficit of oil in the market and this will create uh, instability and also energy insecurity. But I have to say that the only energy insecurity is not eliminating Russian fossil fuels from the market and trying in the midst of this climate catastrophe that we are in because we see floods we see extreme heats we see uh, our our atmosphere and and our environment literally boiling even Gutierrez just mentioned that we we crossed the point when we just were heating the planet now we are boiling the planet and we can't can't continue like this and uh, uh, and, of course, U.S. leadership is essential. U.S. is the largest LNG importer. It's the second largest of oil or or just about this. And uh, we must remember that, uh, yeah, uh, U.S. can do a lot of uh, not just boosting clean energy, but also just really blocking uh, refineries of Russian oil, uh, of existing blocking of uh, US-based businesses uh, that did not exit Russia, many of them did not exit Russia, and uh, and they continue supplying infrastructure to Russia. And I wonder if US government is really aware of this, uh, maybe they are not quite aware because otherwise they, they probably would ban. Uh, this uh, infrastructure, this infrastructure and technology supply, and this is what we expect of them to do, as well. Before before that, um, states will get together to J G20 meeting in September in India.
0: So here we go, Kerry Campbell. The European Greens and especially the German governing Green Party coalition led by Green Party Vice Chancellor Robert Habeck, have enacted multiple Green Party Green New Deal legislations. Renewable energy installations are at a record pace. The German Green Party, despite non roots-led government, has staunchly supported Ukraine. Do you think the Greens in Germany and Europe are providing enough Ukraine support?
1: Oh, um, I can't say specifically about Greens or not Greens, because when I've been visiting the German parliament um, and we've been sending an open letter to German uh, parliament as well, especially on banning Russian gas uh, from European market. But, uh, They are doing yes, they are doing a lot, and we see uh, Vice Chancellor Robert Habeck visiting Ukraine and pledging uh, millions for Ukrainian green rebuilding. And of course, we are quite dependent of uh, uh, the progress on renewable energy sources made in Germany to fast track the energy revolution revolution in Europe. But what I would be really grateful for if uh, Green Party in Germany of course of course it can do more and you can do more and they can do more uh, they could just really revol- revolution, uh, revolutionize... revolutionalize the energy transition across the other countries of european union we all know it's not a secret that germany is leading european economy and also european union political and renewable efforts and it just really showing us with a great example great leadership of closing coal of um, really uh scaling up on renewables but just to be a be more brave in abandoning russian gas and uh, uh, lng gas and fossil gas from u.s markets because some other countries uh are still importing uh russian lng gas in a huge scale but i believe that germany can be a driving force of the european union to end this dependency as well as i said uh, and restore, restore and help us in our immense efforts to restore peace. Because you see, uh, I, I can't really accept this concept of green rebuilding when we are attacked every night. Yes, this helps, but please help us end the war. It will be much more effective, we will start rebuilding when we are not attacking and our our people are not killed and our destruction is not mounting uh, again. So like first things first, and for doing that, German has to be more strict uh, and um, just really express more political willpower on um, keeping good pace on EU on a green uh, transition and using its influence to for for really uh, getting LNG ban across the European Union. Russian LNG ban, of course, yes, but for but. You know, I will share with you one, just very quickly, my dream. Um, after we, if it works as we thinking, we completely uh, isolate Russia as a dictatorship, the largest one, from the fossil fuel markets and profits, we... Uh, hopefully we'll be able to do the same thing for other fossil fuel dictatorships, because there are 52 fossil fuel profited dictatorships in the world, uh, including those of them who are really rising in power, Saudi Arabia and others, many others and African countries. And people are suffering everywhere, not just in Ukraine, and more is coming. So we really envision how we all get together with all European and U.S., U.S. US uh, citizens and nations to, to win over this enemy but also expand this win onto other nations in the future.
0: Okay, this question via email. Western capitalists see a funding trough of funds for reconstruction of Ukraine. How do we push back against the neoliberal reconstruction that seems to be on the table now? Um and I'll just add that uh, one of my Ukrainian friends has been saying we're fighting Russian tanks and Western banks. Uh,
1: what I what I have to say here, you know, I am not going to go deeply into these interconnections of Western capitalists and uh, neoliberal reconstruction and so on. I just only know that uh, all these funds available must go to first to uh, help and to provide direct aid to the people of Ukraine. Uh, This is the first. And the second, uh, actually defeat the political enemy and help us to leapfrog the energy transition inside of Ukraine, because when the half of country is destroyed, you know it's it's a big loss, but also a big opportunity to rebuild this country in absolutely new economic mo- model, not necessarily neoliberal. Or we we don't need to put like some political stamps into that while we uh, while we are in such a difficult circumstances. I would say so. Uh, there is no doubt that. Existing political and economic system is not sufficient for protecting the needs of an um, ordinary citizens, as it's always been. But we have a unique chance right now with rebuilding Ukraine as a global model of a post-war country. Joining efforts, of course, uh, to do that, because it will be a global effort to reinvent Ukraine as um, uh, another model of uh, green, inclusive economies that will benefit uh, all people and the world um, later on.
0: You know, following up on that, I know that you uh, did a lot of work at the COP summit before they threw you out with uh, African climate activists and expressed a lot of solidarity with them. Could you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh before the war started, be, I've been working for uh, Laudato Si' movement, which is a movement for social justice, and I worked with the people from all over the globe. And I know what problems people have in Ecuador, in Argentina, in African countries, namely in Kenya, in Mozambique, and also in Tanzania, uh, where where this where Total Energies is expanding. It's actually capitalist effort to seize the environment and households and the 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 living um, for their fossil fuel profits and um, this is crude crude uh, east african oil pipeline which is like successful which is quite successful local fight and I know a lot about and I've been a part of this fight again and we we hugely support our fellow activists and our friends and allies from Africa who started raising when um that Actually, Germany as well. And uh, consular started traveling to the countries of Africa, Senegal, namely, and others, and trying to look for some uh, gas supply, which can be done in Egypt and all of of it. So we try to join forces. But, of course, we are the main... The main goal we would like to achieve is absolutely end fossil fuel dictatorships in Russia, in Africa, and create a political regime that does not require someone, uh, political leaders to go from country to country and try to like, feed their energy consumption with resources that were given to some other country as uh, African countries. And, of course, um, developing countries must have access to renewable energy technologies and funding, uh, as, as Ukraine as well, because uh, Ukraine used to be a developing country before the war started, and this process is not ended.
0: Yeah, I've heard some people call Ukraine the northernmost country of the global south, because it was the poorest country in Europe and uh, was having a lot of trouble in the post-Soviet period, economically and then the oligarchs and the corruption there was a lot of a lot of things that had to be done not and this war has just you know exacerbated it all
1: um yes yeah we have you know but I, I don't think that um that many countries but i can name a few from central asia that are still under under domination russian domination and uh, actually oblivion uh, as well as Ukraine was. And I'm so proud of my country fighting for its independence and for democratic values, as I've never been uh, because we went through many revolutions and having on behind on us this very heavy Soviet past actually, where you cannot be be taught or learned how to be a free democratic person, and um, I believe that we are making a huge difference and a huge change right now. Trying to uh, become uh, not just a candidacy member, but also a full-scale member of the European Union. And we are fighting not just for our existence, but also for for really for really becoming a democratic country, independent country, and uh, just really abandoning. Russian r- Russians terror once and for all, because many, many um, generations of Ukrainians have been suffering from, from Russia's occupation. This occupation is not started in 2022 or in 2014. It started much, much earlier in the beginning of the century. And I could not be more proud of my country and my nation making such a significant change right now.
0: Uh, we need critical thinking. How do we get Bear Monsanto out of the brain?
1: Oh, you are lucky because I know wh- what they are. Uh, what is Bear Monsanto? They, uh, I, I've been a university professor, and I know what they are doing with the biotechnology. And I don't know receipt because they are buying lands, you know. And I think they have to be uh, when they're buying land plots for growing their plants. Um, so... Uh, Basically, they. Uh, but there was a provision that actually they could not own those lands and foreign uh, as foreigners in full. Well, so there is a legal some uh, uh, legal background for that, but I don't know how. Um, two ways: um, voluntarily or administratively. So, with the government or just with the public pressure, both work.
0: Meaning critical thinking, democratic values. Really I heard they outlawed all opposition parties. Is this true?
1: Who, uh, whom do you mean uh, on to say?
0: They I think he means the Ukrainian government.
1: Oh you know, um, I can't I can't uh, respond yes or not for, for this right now. Mm, because I don't think it's just really in the way that you put it uh Ukrainian government is dealing uh, with unprecedented threat and uh, I think they are doing whatever we can of course we are um, advocating for high ambitious um, ambitions in climate action in energy actions but um at the moment uh it's a moment it's not it's not a time to look for internal enemies or restrictions because it's a martial law in the war time it's a war time and we don't live a normal life anymore uh, and it does not really mean that some people were uh, uh, some parties were outlawing uh, uh, no this part of the sentence I really don't understand but the read people no it's not true I can say if I get you correct no it's not true
0: yeah, what I know about that is uh, some of these parties uh, are accused of espionage. And I would disagree. You go after the people that did the espionage, not the organization. But, um, and then it's often said here, repeating Russian propaganda, that these are left-wing parties. They are not. You know, the Communist Party of Ukraine and its derivatives are anti-LGBTQ, uh, very imperialist, pro-Russian imperialism. Uh, then you have something called the uh, Green, no, the uh, Socialist, the Progressive Socialist Party. It's a fascist party. It follows Lyndon LaRouche's people. And I could go through them all, but these are not left wing parties, not right wing parties. And within the restrictions of martial law, which means there's not a lot of street politics, people are speaking out. You wanna read Socialist Politics in Ukraine? Go to the Commons website, or Commons uh, publication which is you know very in-depth left-wing publication nobody's shutting it down in ukraine so i think you you need to put that in context and we need critical thinking ask what's the latest on the peace talks
1: uh we are waiting uh we are waiting how uh this peace talks launched today uh will be publicly communicated um I don't know. It's hard to reach an agreement when 60-plus uh, states are represented. Um, I haven't heard about any resolution right now, and I think it's still underway.
0: Yeah, what I know about that is Ukraine's had this 10-step peace plan uh, since okay. November, and it has you know confidence-building steps like uh, demilitarizing the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant, uh, keeping at that time, keeping now restoring the grain deal, so Ukraine can help feed uh, hungry countries around the world, and it ends up with you know Ukraine sovereignty and and security guarantees. Um, that's what is Ukraine's putting on the table this weekend in Saudi Arabia. Uh, Russia's been saying that uh, they're ready for peace talks, but the territories they occupy, even territories they don't occupy but claim like parts of Zaporizhia and Donetsk and uh, Luhansk and uh, Kherson, they're saying that's not negotiable. Those are ours. We'll negotiate other stuff, which is ridiculous. You know, Ukrainians aren't going to accept that. And then I know the uh, Africans, not the meeting last week, but the one before that, uh, they said in their peace plan, among other things, Russia should withdraw from Ukraine. They then other things like, then the sanctions should be relieved on on Russia and so forth. But Putin interrupted them in the middle of their presentation and pulled out what he said was the agreement last March, which actually, and I could give you the dates and when they said it, but Lavrov and Putin rejected. It wasn't Boris Johnson coming in there telling Zelensky what to do. In fact, Zelensky kept saying he's ready to talk. He said it on the same day that Boris Johnson was in Kiev. So, Uh, I think at this point, and and one other thing that, uh, you know, the West, particularly the U.S., has been pushing for to reopen the talks on nuclear arms and larger security questions in Europe, uh, reopen the new START talks on strategic arms, and Putin was asked about that in June, and he said in a Russian metaphor that translates into basically fuck them. Putin doesn't want to talk. That's... That's where we're at right now. So uh, I'm, I'm interested to see what comes out of Saudi Arabia. But uh, the problem is Russia's an imperialist aggressor. And Putin's got him in a position where he can't you know, back away without uh, looking bad to his own power structure. So it's a tough situation. That's, that's my take.
1: Yes, um, this is really tough, but I, I don't think that there could be any peace with aggressor, uh, especially uh, through the tough lessons of the last year when we saw that international law was not actually able to 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 hold to hold to hold them accountable, and and I don't think that uh, any peace negotiations are possible because the violation of this peace is also. Just can't be, you know. It just can't be done the other day after these negotiations achieved. But it's not. You see, we are, I will just want to add our conversation. I'm not a peace negotiator. I am fossil fuel campaigner and uh, anti fossil fuel campaigner and climate activist. And I believe that we will finally just really defeat the injustice, and uh, we will uh, build another model of peace, which will be protected much better that this model has been and also it's very much interconnected with ending fossil fuel addiction that feeds Russia's war machine and Putin's war machine as I said at the very beginning yeah thank you so much for having me here today
0: okay well I, I really appreciate you being here and staying up late and uh dealing with some tough questions and, you know, giving us the perspective of the good that could come out of this when the war is over and how important it is for the climate. So um, I'll just wrap up by, by noting that uh, I'll be on another podcast at 530, part of the Green Party's annual national meeting, talking about ranked choice voting and proportional representation, which I've talked about a lot on this podcast, so how important that is to opening up our political system. And then uh, next week, our guest is uh, Senator Rafael Bernabe, Senator in Puerto Rico, uh, very strong advocate of solidarity with Ukraine. He's gonna draw some of the parallels between Russian colonialism in Ukraine and US colonialism in Puerto Rico. And he's written a lot about the Green New Deal. It's in Spanish, but you can use machine translation to read it if you don't read Spanish and we'll have those articles in the chat next week. So that's next week. And, uh, once again, Sidlana, thanks so much for being with us and, uh, we'll see y'all next week.